Joining me today is Sarah Edwards. She was a booking producer at CNN, and she was at CNN for 12 years. She knows a thing or two about what producers want, certainly in cable news, certainly at CNN. And Sarah, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jess. It's a pleasure, and you and I were chatting offline about some of this, and I said we have to record this as an interview. And basically, we have a few different types of folks who might be listening in on this. So it might be individuals who are experts and authors who are trying to reach out and get some press and publicity themselves. It might be PR and communication professionals. And actually, perfect time to bring up, you have transitioned to become a PR professional yourself. Is that right? I have. Yes, I have. I have. I jumped I jumped the line. I went over to the <laughs> other side. <laughs> you went to the other <sighs> side. So you had many years as the gatekeeper, you know, as somebody who decided, hey, this is the type of guest that we want, either you just deciding and reaching out or people reaching in to you. And now you're on the other side. But what you have that a lot of folks don't is you know how people like that think. I do. I know the secrets. <laughs> I know the how to secrets. get people on TV. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. So that's what we want to talk about today. And I appreciate you sharing. So first off, so you were a booking producer. There are so many different titles that producers have. I was in cable news for 11 years of my 13 that were in television. And right. So it was confusing. Anyway, yeah. tell us a little bit about some of the titles. Yeah, everybody is a producer pretty much, right? So, Everybody's but, a producer, yeah. <laughs> and so when you say that, people are like, well, what's that? What is a producer? What do they do? A booking producer is the person on the show team who books the guests. They're the ones who get people to put on TV. That is their main focus. And so anybody wanting to get anybody on television needs to know a booking producer. That uh, position has various titles. Some people call it booker, <laughs> right? Booking mm -hmm. producer, editorial producer, which is... A fancy way to say booking producer. <laughs> it's the main position that puts guests on television. So we were the, I was the gatekeeper of all the PR people who used to pitch to us. And if my executive producer, who is pretty much the show supervisor, as I like to say, um, if she got any pictures, she would even shift it over to me to look at. So if you want to get anybody on television, you, you, you need to know who the booker is. Awesome. Yes, people need to figure out who they should be pitching, Correct. especially with all those different titles. And you just gave us some insight into a couple of the titles that booking producers have. So if somebody were a supervising producer, not really the right person. Yeah, not really the right person. A lot of times people like that, they just don't have the bandwidth or time because their focus is completely somewhere else. And so even if it does yeah. go to somebody like a supervising producer, or even if it goes to the anchor, they a lot right. of times simply end up shifting that to the booking producer because it's their main job, right? And they'll say, I'll, I would be the one who would call them and vet them to see, and then I would be the one who would disseminate back to the anchor, the executive producer, or even if it were a supervising producer who got the pitch, I would tell them, yeah, this person would work, or maybe no. The booking producer has a lot of weight because the show team trusts the judgment of the booking producer, because we're the ones who would deal all the time with people, and we would know who would be good television, we would know who wouldn't work out so much, so 
you, you need to go through the book first. Got it. Okay. And a little bit later on, I'm making a little note to myself. I want to talk about a side door approach of emailing one of the hosts or one of the anchors or the yeah. president of the whole network. But let's go back to that in, in a moment. I want to start okay. with what the day was like. What was your day like? We know, okay, yes, media folks are busy, but yeah. what, what, what did that look like? And, and which show or shows were you on, certainly at the end? I mainly work for Frederica Whitfield for the weekend show, which would mean that I would get in on Wednesday and my week would end on Sunday. Uh, the day would start out at 9 o'clock when CNN Wide would have a editorial meeting with every single show on the network and during a call. And so the day would start with listening in on that call. And pretty much editorially, we would we'd be waiting, honestly, to hear from each other and to discuss with each other what everyone across network was doing. And I wouldn't really be open to listening to anybody on the outside till about 10 o'clock <laughs> right after that call because I have an idea of, okay, this is what the network really deems is important, right? And even yeah. though our show would be was on Saturday and Sunday, Wednesday through Friday on an editorial from an editorial standpoint was really important. A lot of news gathering, a lot of listening and a lot of figuring out the tea leaves, like, okay, this is what Saturday is possibly going to look like and this is the directive that we're getting network wide in regards to what our focus should be. And so from a day standpoint on Wednesday, listening in on that call 10 o'clock, then going through my emails. You know, I would be going through emails all day, but really being like, okay, now I can really focus and I am going to need to call this PR person back because they pitched me a guest that I heard about on a call that would really work for us this weekend. Around 10 o'clock, I would do that. And then I would be calling people basically throughout the rest of the day to figure out what their schedules were like. My day on the Wednesday would end like it around Honestly, early because it's Wednesday, and <laughs> you really can't predict on a Wednesday what's going to happen on a Saturday. You really can't. Right. And so you try to, but you can't. And so at uh, three o'clock or so on Wednesday, I would really kick in the high gear though on Friday, right? Because that's the day before Saturday, and that's when everything was go time. Like you could even tell the tone of everything on the weekend would change. On Wednesday, everybody was you know light and cheerful. By Thursday, you know, it amped up a little bit. By Friday, it was all, like, all in, <laughs> you know, and everybody was serious because we knew that Saturday would be show day. And it would be because the same. Up yeah, you know, and we knew that, honestly, whatever was happening on Friday was going to have a big impact on Saturday. And so it's much of the same. You know, on Friday, listening in on the call, but this time more attentively and really making a ton more calls to everybody else who sent stuff to me or people who maybe have sent stuff to me months before, but for whatever reason, it would work at that time. I would be calling those people back like, hey, you know, remember you sent me that guest six months ago? <laughs> I'd really right. like that person to join television now, you know? So Yeah, that's the rhythm of your days. That was for you. Now, say somebody who worked on the morning show, New Day, which is on from six to nine in the morning. They have a three hour show, five days a week. They just have a tighter version of that. They're always in go mode. Am I right? Yes, they're always in go mode and they also have a much more massive team. So in terms of booking producers on that show, I would say they had they had a good goodness, ten or so booking producers. And that's just the booking producer level. 
each of those people working at various hours of the day, right? So they would have people who worked during the actual show, but then they'd have people who worked really late at night, if not overnight. Also seniors, even line producers, so right. multiple people. And, I, and another thing I like to point out, another way to get a guest on television is to know who the senior producers are because they deal a lot in vetting as well as pitching and even sometimes booking guests. They would act as a second arm to us, right, editorially. So I would say in terms of getting anybody or any segments on television, a senior producer is a really good person to know as well. And so, no, in terms of New Day, yeah, they just have a massive team of people, and they're pretty much operating on a 24-hour basis. So if you want to get anybody on New Day, you just got to know who, you know, their booking producers are, which they have a ton of them. And LinkedIn is one of the best ways to go about doing that these days. Oh, we should definitely talk about that because yeah. we have a few choices at our disposal. People can send an email. Yeah. They could pick up the phone. And I'm curious if anybody answers the phone anymore or how that, yeah. you know, what your take <laughs> is. And they could go through social media. I, I guess they yeah. could, you know, send a fax or smoke signals. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and some final choices. Would you say the most common way in is probably email? Yes. Go via email. Phone calls used to get on my nerves. I can't lie to you. <laughs> because they're just time-consuming. Right. And and at that, they gave me absolutely nothing to pass on to my executive producer. And it all worked on my memory. I would have some publicists who would talk me to death. But yeah. at the end of it, I'm like, I don't even know what this I I don't, you know, I, I couldn't, I had so much going on, I couldn't even remember. But an email. So would it have been a better me. plan if somebody had done what I like to call the one-two punch, which is they call you, they have the email all set, yeah. and you say, well, that sounds interesting. Oh, I just hit send, and now it's popping up in your email. Oh, there it is. Would yeah. that have been better? A lot better, because for one, it lets me know that you understand a bit about how all this works. So you maybe called me just to make sure I looked at your email, which isn't a dumb thing to do, <laughs> you know, if you have the phone number, because, you know, we're busy, and a lot of times, you're right, if you send an email, it could get lost, or I'm not really paying attention at that time, but if you call me, and I'm on the phone, and then you say, hey, and I'm also sending you an email, it's like, oh, wow, you know, and so it forces me to look at it, and I, I would look at it, and I would either be able to tell you really quickly, yeah, this would work, or uh, it might not work right now, but thanks for calling, and I, I'll definitely be in touch with you, say, if I was interested in it. If not, then I le- at least have heard you, and we'd at least have met. And I'd remember the person's voice, too, because I was really pretty good, personally good about that, right? Like, I can oh, hear like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, I remember, yeah, we spoke before. And so, oh, cool, yeah, I did get that last email. And so even if you called me again, I'd remember. I would have to say still, though, I hated getting phone calls. And I, I'd much rather right. prefer it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, calling, you're, you're standing out because it's different, but you're also taking time out of that person's day because yeah. somebody can scan through an email in a few seconds or 10 seconds or whatever. Correct. It is. And a phone call, who knows how long that's going to go on. Correct. Uh, it's certainly, yeah. even a few minutes is an interruption of whatever that person was doing. Exactly. So now that you're on the other side of the equation, what's your take on phone calls? Um. I would say social media is smarter. That's what I would say. I, I wouldn't say that I would never call anyone because I would yeah. these days. <laughs> However, social media is smarter because it's like a warm up, right? And 
it, it's it's a lot more casual than email, which can, you know, you're sending this big pitch. And I can gauge a receptivity on the part of the producer, right? Like, so if I've linked in with them, then I'm like, okay, so they're at least interested in me as a person. <laughs> and then I've messaged them, right. and they message me back, and I've gotten tons of messages back. That's how I used to get guests on television, as a matter of fact. It's a really just smart way to go about it. And from there, I get phone numbers as well. And then if they've given me their phone number, well, I figure that's an invitation to give you a call, right? And, and I've already introduced myself in a way so they know who I am even before I call. Whereas with cold calling before social media existed, I always just felt like, I don't know who you are. And people would have my name. I'm like, I don't know I'm who. <laughs> you know, at least with right. a, a social media, you have like a bit of an introduction. That's how we met, as a matter of fact. I think that I, I how we you. met. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's yeah let's talk about that. In fact, you and I did meet on LinkedIn. Yes, so did. tell us the proper way for somebody to reach out to uh, a producer or a booking producer or whatever the title is on social media. And I guess LinkedIn would you, would you say that's the better choices or does it not matter as much? I don't think it matters that much. I once had a guest who reached out to me via Twitter which I thought, uh -huh. which actually worked out pretty well. He reached out to me and he said that he wanted to be on television and he asked if I could chat with him on the phone. And I was like, well, yeah, sure. Why not? You know? And so I called him on the phone because he, he had never really done television much before. And I gave him some advice about how he should go about it. And eventually, after he had gotten some, you know, video work, because he didn't have any video at the time, I pitched him and I booked him on CNN. And that's the person I just met via Twitter. He got to me via the messaging portion. And a lot of times, these days, a lot of people have open messages on Twitter. And so you can just approach people. And Twitter is a really mm. rich space for journalists. And a lot of journalists leave their email on their Twitter as well. So I would say just introduce yourself, basically, and say, hey, this is who I am. And I really think I have some good guests for you if you're, say, a publicist or a PR person. And I'd love to be able to chat with you about some of the people that I have who could work for very specifically your political coverage or whatever type of coverage that you think your voice would be best for. And if the person is interested, they will contact you back. If not, of course, you won't get anything. Or sometimes people don't necessarily look at their social media. I wouldn't say that every single solitary person is that hyper-focused on social media. But I can say that most booking producers are because we use it as a tool in order to get guests. So we're constantly looking at our social stuff, right? And so, right. yeah, you can reach out in a casual way, and it helps you gauge whether or not the person is at least interested in you, right? And then from there, you know, you exchange contact information. You can set up a time for call and move forward into the sunset. <laughs> All right, so here's the idea. Uh person is listening right now. They're going to take three weeks and work on a press release that is five pages long, and then they're going to copy and paste it into a message, the first message they've ever sent you on LinkedIn, and say, hey, Sarah, read this. Let's do it. Book me. Does that sound like a, like a plan? Are you going to read the whole thing? I am not going to read the whole thing. I am going to look at it, and I'm going to skim it, and I'm not going to answer you back. That's how that works. Now, if it's if it's the first message that they've ever sent to you, should they reach out that way? No, it's not okay. Uh, I would say just briefly introduce yourself and say who you are and what you might have to offer. Very briefly, I would say short, about a couple of lines, three lines. You know, hi, my name is Sarah, and That's I That's a am. better opener. Correct. 
hi, my name is Sarah. Right. <laughs> and I am a yeah. publicist, and I have a lot of experts who deal in very specifically uh, law, uh, finance, uh, economics. I know that you guys do a lot of coverage on that. I'd love to be able to chat with you about XYZ guests. I know that you guys have have been covering, for example, say Trump and the Mueller investigation a lot. My guests could really speak on that. Is it possible to chat? Question mark. Um, please feel free to reach out to me with my number, and then I wait for them to contact back with the yay or nay. But I never put in a big, long press release. That was good advice. That was a, a short little paragraph that right. ended with a, a yes or no question. Hey, would it be okay if we chatted? Yes. So I guess the implication is only a yes or no answer. Correct. And chances are they're not going to say no. It's either going to be a yes or they're going to start ghosting whoever Correct. that is, which exactly. means they'll hit delete and ignore it. Yeah, um, or they'll shift you to, to the person you should talk to. Because sometimes they might say, you know what, this might not be good for me, but you might want to talk to X, Y, or Z person. And that's so, fantastic, oh. right. <laughs> Thanks. And that we hope for. Yeah. So this is really helpful as far as reaching out on LinkedIn or otherwise. So something short, get the conversation going. Now, if the Correct. person said that could be interesting or, hey, we need a, a lawyer who has a different point of view on whatever right. the story of the day is. And if you say, oh, hey, let me uh, – I'll, uh, I'll, I'll paste or attach or whatever it is, the yep. press information. Then that's a different conversation Correct. because they, exactly. you've already been talking. Yes, exactly. From that point, then it makes sense, right? Because now you're like filling me up. You've already introduced yourself. You've already caught my attention. And then you're selling me because now you have all like, oh, great. And I have a specific person in mind. Here's their information. Definitely take a look. When we, we can discuss it when we chat. But to start with it, um, unless... It is no. Just don't start with it. <laughs> I just don't think. Don't start with what? Don't start with a big long spiel because it makes. Right. When I used to look at that from publicists, I was like, my goodness, this person's going to talk for hours, and I'll never get them off the phone. That's what would be my fear. Like if it was a lot of information in the email, I was like, oh wow, we're never. This person talk, is going to talk my ear off. And that's just what right. it feels like, even like in an email or in a message, right? So brevity is just important. Great. And they can always link to more information or, Correct. hey, if you want, I'll send you that, right, and, and exactly. just take it in steps. Exactly. It's probably better if you, they have multiple interactions with you anyway. Exactly. You because say? it creates a relationship, right? And then I remember you. I'm like, oh, yeah, we talk all the time. You know, like I we talk all feel, feeling like that. Like, oh, yeah, I know you. Right. You know, so, yeah, you want multiple interactions for sure. We don't want to show up like showing up on a first date and say, hi, let me start from the beginning. This exactly. is where I was born, and then I did this, and then I took my first steps, and then I, and then I learned to brush yes. my teeth. Exactly. It's like, whoa, whoa, too much information. <laughs> play Let's hard to get. get you got to play hard to get. You got to breadcrumb. <laughs> breadcrumbs. Okay, yes. very good. So now it seems like – so I mentioned email because it seems like that is the main way in. Tell us your uh, – First of all, you, you said your for your schedule, your old schedule, you'd show up on a Wednesday. Correct. I imagine that there were a lot of emails that came in on Monday and Tuesday. Yes. For you to try to wade through. Yes. And probably miss a lot of them. You know, mm -hmm. people sometimes say, Oh, I don't I don't know. I guess they didn't like me. I sent an email once. Yeah. I guess I guess they hate that story. Yeah. Uh just what's your take on that and on email? I think that it's really important to understand the flow of show schedule because it will save you a lot of heartache 
right? Because you're right, I would get a lot of emails on a Monday, and people were like, you didn't answer me. I'm like, well, I don't know, I work. <laughs> I'm not looking at my, I'm not. I, I, I took Monday and right. Tuesday off completely. I didn't read any of that. Or maybe I read it, but I I didn't answer. Because I'm not you in work. You want to be in full work mode. No, like you get to have a day off. That was always my mantra. I get to have a time off. And so you have right. to understand the flow of the schedule. So any show that you want to book on, right? So you're looking, for example, at New Day, right? And New Day starts at 6 in the morning, and they end um, as far as their programming at like 9 o'clock. And the, so I would say the best and smartest time, depending on who you have, like if it's a breaking news type of situation, and you know that your guest needs to be on this breaking news story, as soon as it happens, you start messaging people. Because for one, they're desperate and they're needy. And they need, like, right, they're so, they're like, I just need anybody who can talk about this, you know, relevant person. But it's a really good time right. to get them if the person fits exactly, right, what they need, right, if there's an active shooter situation and you have a person who is a security expert and you know this person, you pitch it at the time that that's happening, you will get a lot of people listening to you because they're really desperate and they need different voices and they need somebody who's right there and can do it go time, right? But barring that, if it's something that's a little more evergreen or something that's slower, right, somebody that you want to have on for a segment of some sort, but they could be on later in the week or at another day, I would say do it after their show ends at 9 o'clock, right? From 9 o'clock right. on pretty much until 5. Because, they, like I said, they have varying different booking producers coming throughout the day on different shifts. And so after the show, though, is still the best time to get to any of those people. Because everybody at, during the showtime, they're watching the show because they're nervous about whatever guests they have on TV, right? And I'm just talking specifically a new day right now, which is Monday through Friday, okay? And so okay. you get them right after their show. And especially you get them between, I'd say, 9 to noon. Do that because that's when they have a lot of their kind of editorial meetings and stuff. And, you know, and they're, they're really focused editorially on what's going to happen for the next day and what's going to happen for right. the next week down the line. So that's kind of their cherry spot, I would say. Get them between, like, 9 and nine to 2, 9 to 12 right there if you want to pitch anything. Just try to communicate with them then because they'll be a little more receptive. After that, you know, the day is over. You just want to go home, and <laughs> you don't really want to listen. So if you pitched anybody, like, a, you know, and it's late, they're just not going to really be paying attention all that much. Aside from possibly, you know, no, they're just not going to really be paying attention all that much. <laughs> That's right. like New Day is a special show, right? Because it's the the day show. I don't know how it was for you. Because did you work on the on the day show, Jess? And I'm just asking that. Uh, I I worked in all three sections. I worked in cable news. I, I mean, I've been at ABC, NBC, and Fox, but I was I was at Fox News, and I worked on Fox and Friends. So I was at morning shift. Yeah. I yeah. I did work very overtime, various shifts, including. A really, really early shift and a yeah. four to midnight shift. Yeah. I did daytime. I started in primetime, so that was a different um, – on one of the primetime shows, so that was a different experience. But you're absolutely right. When the show ended, I mean, as you're saying this, usually oh. we'd have a meeting afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. often, certainly on the morning show, the, the meeting started with what worked and what didn't work for today right. and ended with what do we want to do tomorrow? Exactly. With, yeah. You know, oh, this is the big story of the day. Oh, does anybody have a lawyer who can talk about that? Hey, I do. I just talked to this, you know, guy yeah. who says this. Oh, all right, go talk to him and see uh, if he has more to say. Exactly. Okay. 
Right. So say, same experience for you where it was right afterwards is a sweet spot. You Correct. brought up something else yeah. uh, about the need and the want for different voices. Yeah. Meaning different guests. Yeah. And there's a flip side to this. And this is just me watching CNN from the outside, which is I see a lot of the same people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I wonder if, I mean, a lot of the same guests. And I wonder if just maybe certain producers feel or higher level producers feel like somebody is tested and proven and just put them in there and not going to worry about it. Tell me about both sides of that equation, because a lot of people listening are the new person and they want to get through or they have a new person. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fear in trying out new people for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. And trying and tested is exactly what producers, especially at, for the primetime shows really want. Right. Because they don't, you you can't be taking risks at six in the morning. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I just need what I know. I, I don't want anything new. Right. And so if you're a new person, you're trying to get on, you gotta, Everybody, and I've noticed now being on the side of PR, everybody wants to be at the top first, right? Like, I just want to be at the top of the pot. And that's not how it works. You first got to crawl before you walk. And the smarter thing to do is to go on the weekend. The weekend has a lot more time. Like I said, we come in on a Wednesday and we end up on a Sunday. We're real real relaxed from Wednesday up until Thursday. We got time. You know what I mean? We can listen <laughs> to you. We're we're chilling. Every the, the house is burning down. We're like, oh, we'll be fine. We got like a couple more hours before we have to get out of here. You know what I mean? We're we're, right. we're we're easy. And so it's smarter to pitch to the weekend show than it is to try to even get on. I'd say the weekday newsroom show because they're so in it, they just don't have the time, right? So you want to go if you're new with the people who have the time to hear you and to listen to you because they're going to be a lot more relaxed and easy, right, and receptive, you know, because they can be. And so that's the smarter thing to do. And a lot of the prime shows, they pull from the weekend, right? So they're looking at our air anyway. Oh, yeah. We would complain about it all the time. It's like they stole our guests. They were like, now that person has a big head, they're not going to come on Saturday anymore (laughs) Right. They, they like now Anderson Cooper is calling. They don't need, want us anymore, you know. And the funny, so right. you somebody who's popular on there now, like Anna Navarro and Angela Rye. And I remember with Angela, I used to call her when she was working in D.C. with her organization. I forgot the name of it. And I would book her on the weekend, and that's how she first got into the fold. I, I pitched her eventually to the weekday show, and they liked her, and so they kept calling her. And now, you know. She is where she's at right now, if anybody knows who Angela Rye is, and other guests like that. But they start on the weekend shows at odd hours even. Weekend New Day is a good show for CNN to try because they're just a lot more flexible, and they're desperate. Because who wants to wake up at 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning to be on a weekend New Day show? (laughs) Nobody. Like Nobody wants to do that. So if you're the person who says yes, then you got an end. And that's a great end. That was a really great piece of advice because there are a lot of people who are trying to break through and just can't seem to. But if they'll if they're willing to be flexible and be there right. at odd hours or the or certainly on the weekend, yeah. then now other CNN producers can see them or they can point and say, yeah. "Hey, look at me on this show talking exactly. about it." Oh, wow. Okay. Because, like yeah. I mentioned, the six in the morning prime time. 
you don't have a lot of time to experiment. And you just don't want to be experimenting at that time. So once you've gained the trust of the network in a way by you've been tried and tested on the weekend show and there's evidence of it because they've seen you in various different interviews, you know, on the weekend, they'll be more apt to listen to you, right? And they'll be more apt to look at you. And not just, you know, right. New Day, right? So then say you get picked up by Brooke Baldwin's show because they've seen you on the weekend. They're like, oh, wow. Well, you know, then Brooke will lead to Wolf Litzer. And then what Wolf Litzer will lead to you know what I mean? And that's just kind of how right. it grows upward, right? And so you just got to start at the bottom. You can't be too ambitious unless it's a breaking news situation. And you know what you have is so pertinent to that story, right? And you're not trying right. to sell an angle so much as you just know that your guest, like active shooter, he is the expert on it. That's when you dive right in and you start, you know, harassing New Day. Because they'll be more receptive to it because they're desperate and they need it, right? They're not going to turn you right. away. So. Yeah, and I guess somebody can lay the groundwork and say, hey, I'm an expert on active shooters. Correct. Keep me in mind. Yeah. And if I see mm-hmm. something, should I just send you an email? This way they've gotten some bias. Exactly. And the person says, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, go ahead, reach yeah. out. And then there's that, that message, that email or, or, exactly. or whatever it is as far as I'm reaching out true yeah you've already laid the groundwork by you know for example maybe you've met them like on linkedin you said hey you know i have this guy's active shooter that you'll be remembered then if you you know before you don't wait to be remembered right you in that moment you use the contacts that you were given to email the producer that you know you say hey remember we met on xyz platform i have that active shooter person this person is available and you give really specific information because that's a lot of times people would do to me they would say, yeah, I have this guest, but then they would contact the guest and like, other person can't do it. I'm like, why did you waste my time? Why did you do this? I mean, it would hurt <laughs> my feelings. I'm like, why would you do this? You know? And right. that would break my trust with the with the publicist. And like, break your trust a little. Yes. I'm like, no, I can't rely on you. You you don't even know if this person's available. So you make sure the guest is available. You know exactly where the person is. And you know if the person can get on television or not. Always make sure your guests have Skype or some sort of remote setup that they can access easily and that is well lit and looks really good and TV ready and let the producers know that. So then the producer, the booking producer can disseminate that information back to the executive producer and the anchor producer and say, yeah, I got this great guest. It's an active shooter expert. This person is available from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I know that's remote. We don't have to worry about a studio. This person has a Skype right now. I, um, I contacted him. He gave me a couple of notes. Here are his bullet points. His publisher sent me through that press release, right? That wasn't a big, long press right. release, but that had, like, actual uh, good pre-interview information, plug and play. I just shifted off to the executive producer. Then we can go from there. Interesting. And I, I want to talk a little bit about Skype when you said that they have their own remote capabilities because right. that wasn't something that we did when I was still – working in television, it was starting to happen as I was leaving. I think Oprah was the only one doing it. And they made sure people had a well-lit and nice-sounding atmosphere, and they figured that out. So for people who are experts or authors who might be listening to this or those who support them, what should they tell people to do? Should they set something up in in their home or their workspace so that they're totally ready to go? Should they buy a special mic? What should they do? To be prepared on Skype, that's one of the outlets yeah. that the news people use, and Zoom is sometimes. Correct. So you tell me. And maybe CNN was more Skype. So tell me your thoughts on all of that. 
Yeah, CNN used to be more Skype. They actually now use Cisco, which is just the uh, video platform. So it's not going to really matter. Basically, before they used to use Skype, and you would have to have that downloaded on your computer. You don't have to do that anymore if you're linking in with CNN. Mm. They pretty much just kind of remote into you. The most important thing, aside from all of that, is, like you mentioned, a camera, a really good camera, right, and as well a good audio, which is an external mic of some sort. And they sell pretty much everywhere these days, really inexpensive to get. And then setup-wise, make sure you're in a well-lit room. And it doesn't have to be – make sure it's a it's a wall that's something interesting. A lot of people would have behind, you know, a bookshelf behind them. They would have, you know, some sort of artwork behind them. I would say from a privacy standpoint, I never liked it when guests, um, I could see their entire house, <laughs> you know, mainly because right. I always felt security-wise for guests. I'm like, ooh. So, you know, a private office, something that has, you know, certain other, you know, bookshelves and all the other kind of stuff that looks a bit official, just because it's kind of interesting to the eye when you're looking at it. It's not like a blank wall. If it is a blank wall, it's not terrible. Lighting is more important. So if you're going to buy equipment, you buy a camera, you buy audio, and you get good lighting. Those are the three main things that you need. Right, the three main things. And when you say camera, like a really good webcam, which is Correct. It, it can go on Amazon for any of these things, right? Usually Logitech, it's usually HD, like either 1080p, whatever the, the highest version. Of course, nowadays four, it could be 4K, but they're looking at, say, $100 for that. A microphone, could they have to practice with all these things. Microphone, yeah. also Amazon. There are lots of different ones. I use a clip-on, a lavalier microphone when I yeah. do interviews through through my computer or via Skype. Um, and you said lighting. Also, yeah. if they go into Amazon, they type in video light. Nowadays, yeah. there are a lot of these small little square. There's so many choices, but I'm just yeah. offering this up because I'm staring at them in my office right now. <laughs> these little square video lights. And they can get one that either has a stand or a clip-on, but they definitely want one that plugs into the wall. I'm just sure. sharing that with people listening because a lot of times then it requires batteries and chargers and they can charge out and it's a, it's a whole kind of thing. But that's worth the investment if people want to be on, right? It is. If you have a guest who wants to do extensive television work, the first thing that I tell people now that I'm working on the other side is that we got to get that Skype stuff set up. So, you want to be ready. That's the biggest thing, right? By the time you've got everybody to listen to you, and you want to make sure that when it's go time, you can go, go, you know, and there's no obstruction. And once they feel like you're anticipating for them, that's when you really have them. Because a lot of times I would get publicists and they would shoot me people, like I said, and they weren't anticipating for me. They just didn't understand. They, I, right. I felt some publicists felt like we were on their time schedule. And I'm like, when it comes to 24-hour cable news, that's not how it works at all, that's right? That's not how it works. No, you're on their time. <laughs> and you have to be on their time. You have to be before their time, right? Because I used to have a joke, like, my boss would want me to have a guest, like, by yesterday, right? And right. I, And they just told me today. You know, I didn't have any, choice, mm -hmm. you know, which is made me rely a lot on the network of really good publicists and PR people that I had ready and who understood it and got it because they would be anticipating for me. They would be calling me, you know, saying, hey, I saw this on the news. You need this is this person. This person's ready. They're here. They got their Skype up. You know what I mean? And if that person didn't work, I got yeah. two other people for you. And I'm like, oh, wow. 
what I mean? My head right. was thin, right? Because they were there before me, and they were not just there, they were ready. They didn't just have ideas. They had actual concrete people who I could just, you know, hit a button, they would be on TV, you know? So, yeah, important right. to set up so the, the remote video. Yeah. Great. So I want to talk about email for, for a moment because okay. you mentioned you go through your emails, you know, various times all day long, and people many times are still pitching via email. Yeah. Out of all of the possible emails that could be sent to you, what were the most effective ones oh. in terms of getting you to, to open, to read it, and to obviously say yes? Okay. So from the standpoint of a show, what I notice a lot of times, so I'm going to start with the bad and then I'm going to go to the good, okay? I notice a lot of okay, times good. people would send us press releases that I couldn't use. For example, events, right? They would send me information about events. And because of the fact that I was a show and we were, we were really stationary, I couldn't, we weren't, we could sometimes send out cameras and everything, but it wasn't the function, it's not the function of the show. And I would look at those press releases and I would say, yeah, they need to send this over to our news desk because they're the ones who deal with reporters and sending people out to things. So if you are pitching an event of any sort, you never pitch it to a booking producer or a show because there's nothing I can do for you at all. There's nothing I can do. And right. also, it's not within my bandwidth, honestly, for you to try to send that over to the appropriate department. I'm just going to shift that away. It has nothing to do with me. Shows deal mostly in people honestly. And so if you're pitching a person, you go to somebody like a booking producer because they need voices, right? If you're pitching a, an event, you go to the news desk and they can possibly send a reporter for you. I would look at pitches sent to me via email that had a picture, that had video of the person and the other interviews that they've done, and that had talking points, really prominent. And then the subject line, if they sent to me, for example, example, um, talking about for a lawyer who could talk about Trump Mueller, they would put the title of the person, but not just the title, the relevant piece, like legal analyst, former DOJ federal prosecutor. That would really get me looking like, ooh, DOJ. That's my language, right? I need somebody. I right. need the executive producers need somebody who have a connection to, you know, the DOJ. And I might not know very much about it, but I see DOJ and my eyes light up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, you know, who right. is this person, right? And then when I look at it, I look at the picture and I'm like, okay, that person is telegenic enough. It's somebody I can put on television. And I read, not so much, they have like a sliver of a bio, not a huge one, right? Like very brief bio. This person worked at the DOJ for XYZ 15 years. You also name drop as much as you can that the person worked with prominent people that I should pay attention to. I'm like, okay, this person worked not only in the DOJ, they also were a clerk of, you know, maybe Mueller or something like that. And then you put the salient talking points, right? This person says that this piece of this investigation will lead to just like, you know, Watergate or something like that, right? You, it, it, they, a lot of times uh, what would catch my attention would be talking points that read like sound bites. that, oh my goodness, if I get this person on television, I know. That, for one, my anchor is going to be like, oh, wow, that's a shocking thing to say, or that's a really interesting thing to say, right? And my executive producer would be looking for things she had never heard before. You're like, oh, I never heard anybody say that kind of angle before. Oh, great, I could definitely get that person on. So the subject line, 
number one, would catch my attention, especially if it had a relevant title to the subject. And that's what you do. You pull that out. Picture of the person with video of their other work so I can shift that to my producer and say, look, this person has done a lot of different television, so you should definitely talk to them. And then talking points that I could sell. I could say, yeah, this person is going to say this. And that would intrigue them. They wouldn't want me to call them back for more. Got it. And I think you're even talking about the template that I teach PR folks when I've gone done some consulting for PR companies. And it it was based on my experiences, the same as yours. And also when I set the Guinness record, I used a template that basically focused on, when you said talking points, to me that means bullet points on what that person would say. 100%. In a pitch meeting, that's what people want to know. Oh, they're a DOJ person? What would they say? Exactly. You look down if you look and say, "Oh, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I have no idea." Then that's the end of that conversation many times. Yeah. But if you say that if if they have a great point of view, you, yeah. you know, I, sometimes I I would phrase talking points differently so that they know the person doesn't have to talk about this, but this is what exactly. they could talk about. Exactly. So you know, you're not forcing anything on. Uh, you know, it's hey, producer, whatever you want. Um, yeah. so, so just change some of that wording. So, right. So those bullet points, getting to the point, you said the yeah. subject line, is it helpful the subject line right before DOJ or whatever it is to put pitch colon or story yeah. pitch mm-hmm. or story colon? That's helpful. Very helpful. Tell us why. Just because it lets me know what it is. Right. Like because you get a gazillion plus emails. But what is this? I don't know. But so if I see pitch, I know exactly what you want to do. You want to, right. you're pitching to me, right? You're not like just, because, uh, uh, you know, I got various emails, but I would know immediately, okay, this is a pitch. And I would look then at the rest of it after I saw pitch, and I would say, okay, what is this person pitching? And if it was relevant to me, then I would read it. But if it wasn't, then I would just gloss over it and <laughs> keep it moving, right? Right, so, exactly. But no, having pitch there. Yeah, but having pitch at least let me realize, okay, so this is something that somebody is trying to send to me for the purpose of putting on television. And I would pay attention just because I saw that. Exactly. How many emails do you think you would get in a typical day? I got so many. External? um, About 50 or so. I didn't get so many. You know, the thing is, is that I would actually, I had folders for people. (laughs) You basically want to spend time trying to get out of my spam. Honestly, so even if I was receiving things, uh, uh, I would say I and would people, look at yeah. maybe 50 of them. <laughs> would say just Wait, you got 50 in and you would look at all 50? No, say that maybe I was getting more, but I would only see about 50 of them. Because I had my email right. set up to the point where I, I wouldn't see things that I already knew that I didn't want. So yeah. if you saw a press release, new restaurant no. in Albuquerque. You would think, okay, that's obviously just some random press release they're putting out there. It's yeah. not a delete. Yeah. Um, and you brought up something else that I really hope people are listening closely to. When I said, how many emails do you get? You said, oh, external? How many yeah. emails do you think you got that were internal emails? <sighs> My God. By the time I got to work, it would be hundreds. Like I just, right. you know, so many emails. My goodness. So the average person may not even get 100 emails in a day, meaning outside of being a TV producer, you know, the person sending it may not necessarily get 100. You're getting 100 yeah. internal emails. They're right. all mixed up and mashed up. With yeah. external, you're only opening 50, uh, which is a lot probably mm-hmm. to open. 
thrifting and you're hitting delete on other ones. Correct. You know, I, mm-hmm. I would venture that you probably got it at least another 50 probably. that you probably deleted mm-hmm. in a day. So Correct. Mm-hmm. That would just shift so we're somewhere I didn't at, even see. Right. So we're looking at at least 200 mm-hmm. a day that are just sitting. And I just want to paint the picture of how fast and furious emails yeah. come into a producer's email box. Yeah. And then if you, for your schedule, you come in on a Wednesday, yeah. that means you could yeah. have 400 emails. Yep just clogging stuff up that you Correct. just probably throw your hands up in the air. And exactly. So know what to do. Right. Yeah, which is the reason why, honestly, getting outside of email is smart. Sometimes that's why I mention social media, because for one, it's already saturated. And I'm not really paying attention to things that I don't want to look at in my email already. I already have, right. I used to have it already set up. Like I already knew, it's like, oh, this isn't going to be relevant. You know, I'd already... And I did that by shuffling out everything that was relevant first, like anything that came from my boss, anything that came from my anchor, anything that came from my senior producer. I would already have those highlighted out. So everything else I knew, they're secondary, you know, like, and then I have uh, people who were publicists who I just relied on all the time. And I would always like read theirs. And I, I had those people like in a special place. Right. So, I, I managed it as well. The, the biggest thing, you're, you're trying to get through through a person's filters. So you right. can send it, but if it's not relevant, then you're, that, that person's not going to read it. Because <laughs> I never... I right, never and, and that's an interesting point you bring up too. Of course you want to make sure that supervisors or bosses and you're not yeah. missing their messages. That could be important. That's something important for your survival right. as uh, somebody with that job. And then secondary... You have those PR folks who really support you, Mm -hmm. who really bail you out in tough situations that are really watching the news closely. And when something breaks, they're the first to say, hey, you want somebody like that? Whether I have them or not, I'll help you go find them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And then you're more apt to book their new person when they just saved your behind some other day because they had that person who's the expert on uh, a crane that uh, that's something I once booked. Uh, a oh, crane wow. fell down and yeah. fell into traffic somewhere in a major city, and we needed yeah. a crane expert. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's so, it. I mean, I build a relationship with these people. I trust them. I don't have to question their people because I know, oh, they always give me good people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. we, we had a relationship. We were good. So, yeah. Right. And and uh, something else as far as the way uh, cable news booker thinks is, you had just said earlier, during the show, you're watching and you're nervous. You want to make sure right. your guest does a good job. So when you have a publicist or a person who says, here's what you need to do, they've really prepped them to, mm-hmm. you know, come out with both, you know, uh, uh, both guns blazing, so to speak, to, to have something really amazing to say, as opposed to, this is what I would be nervous about during my segments. You know, the person says, you know, is this a big problem? The, the anchor says, is this a big problem? Should we be worried about it? And the person yeah. says, well, you know, um, I don't really know. I mean, I guess people will decide for themselves, you know, what I th-. And you're thinking, no, you're, you're here to have an opinion, to have a thought. Yes. You know, don't. Exactly. But, you know, don't. Don't be like the audience. Be a step in front of the audience. A hundred percent, and that's. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because that is what makes a good guest. They have a point of view, and it's a strong point of view, and they're okay with saying it on television. But getting somebody who would kind of waffle, 
you know, and I'm like, well, because the post conversation was always okay. Like you said, how did things go? The things would be, how did the guests go? And my question would always be, well, how did you like the guest? And I would always ask the anchor because that's the other thing that people need to understand. Like you are a guest on the show and the anchor is the host. Your job is to make the host happy. Basically, If you want to make the show happy, you make the anchor happy. Right. And so if the anchor likes you and if she remembers you to the point where if something else comes around and then she's like, Oh yeah, remember you had that guy on? And I'm like, oh wow, that right. means that you like it. But it's the it's the anchor who has a lot of editorial weight. If you're not selling it to the anchor at the end of the day, you're not going to be. Remember, there were a lot of people that I would book, and it would just be a one time thing, mainly because they they didn't really please the the host. They didn't please the show host at all. The anchor wasn't really happy, right. and that would mean that the executive producer wasn't, because the executive producer wants to make the anchor happy. Right. And so right. the booking producer wants to make the EP happy because that makes the anchor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it all has levels right. there. So you're right. And nobody's happy if a person came on and they didn't add anything to the story. They didn't have right. an opinion or solutions or uh, predictions. Uh, I, I mean, these are the things yeah. I, that I teach in media training as well as and this is I want to get your take, which is the the newer version of including your blog or your promotion. Yeah. Brief, briefly talk about how people do it wrong and then what they do right. Uh, explain to me what you mean by that, like including their promotion. Well, I think the wrong way, if somebody has a book, is yeah. when they say, well, you know, you talked a little bit about the surprising ways healthcare companies don't help you, yeah. uh, healthcare uh, insurance companies. And yeah. then you say, well, I mean, you have to read about it in the book. And the book title gotcha. is. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's not the <laughs> That would be a all. short interview. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because right, you didn't give anything. No. I, and I've seen lots of versions. Or the person all of a sudden pulls out of their pocket the book and holds it up next to their head. Yeah, no. Um, don't do that either. <laughs> not so great. I mean, no. those would be glaring examples. But a less yeah. glaring example is when the person says in the first or second answer, well, I mean, I talk more about that at www.gotogotomywebsiterightnow.com. Yes. Well, Um, that's when a good publicist and a PR person comes in handy, right? Because already, and this is something you pointed out in another interview that you did that I stood up and I clapped. You want to get, the producer said this, that if you really, you have to come, completely ready like people worry like you said a lot about a press release but what they don't do is give me all the material that i need for the interview you know your guest has a book well then you need to have that book cover attached to this pitch that you sent me because then i have all the material that i need if this person has other things like pictures or even video that they could use for an interview but if they have other elements that are really pertinent to the story you have all that together and you send it in as a package because it makes it able for me, for one, to sell the gas. And then two, it, it saves a lot of time in terms of pre-interview. I already have it plug and play, right? And as well, right. if you've highlighted within the background of your guests the very important things about them, right? So, for example, I have a, a client that I picked up who is a lawyer. He's an intellectual property lawyer. Which, as a title, that's not really too fancy. Who really cares? Intellectual property, what even is it? You know, it's important, but for a viewer's standpoint, like, what is that? But more important to his background, he used to be the director of intellectual property for Samsung. And well, 
for a viewing audience, everybody knows what Samsung is. And so I can highlight that, right? And I pull, I pull that out mostly when I pitch them out. I'm like former director of uh, intellectual property for Samsung Electronics, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if something comes up that has to do with hacking or anything like that with phones or so, well, I can pull this guy out. He used to work with Samsung in a high capacity. He would know Samsung more than anybody else, right? And so as a publicist, it's your job to know the extensive background of your the person that you're selling so that when it comes down to it, you can pull out the things that you need to immediately highlight and tell about this person. And if the person has a book, then you need to definitely be pulling out things from the book to feed to the booking producer to let them know, look, this person also said in their book X, Y, Z, that could be one of their talking points, right? This is in there. Right. Right. And so when they go on television and they want to sell the books, well, you don't really have to do that much because for the, at standard, they're going to mention that this person is an author of XYZ book because you've already given the book. They're also going to show the book cover that you shifted to them. And so they're going to put that out there. And they will a lot of times what CNN would do, they would have that throughout the interview. Right. They put it up at the beginning and they put it up maybe at another point. Your job is not an infomercial to be on these news platforms. They're not there to sell your book. You can use it subsequently to sell for you, but the purpose of it is to provide information to the audience. And you're there as the expert to analyze what's going on, not to sell your work, even though it can be used in sales tool later. So that was a long, I hope that explained a lot. (laughs) No, that was was helpful because the the better way is what you said, which is, and this is where the publicist comes in. This is right. where the strategy comes in beforehand to say, we're going to give information and those t- bullet points or talking points in right. a way that makes the anchor ask questions like, now I know you did a lot of research for your book, which helped you find out this, this, and this, so that you could share this other detail with our with our audience. Yes, exactly. And and then they flash the book, and if you don't right. give them the book cover, there yep. might be a less chance that their book cover is on there. True. If you didn't bring that up. Or if you don't up, mention that you, you have a book. <laughs> Some people would do you that. You didn't even like, mention. <laughs> and I'd find out through Google, and I'm like, wait a minute, this person has a book. I would yes. sometimes find out because the author brought it up on the show, and I would exactly. think, gee, thanks for bringing it up to me prior. <laughs> I would have exactly. done something so it didn't look so amateur. Exactly. Uh, I mean, I always tell people, listen, your publicist gets you the placement. It's on yeah. you to be a good, not only a great guest, but also to sell without selling. Exactly. That that you gave such great information and you also uh, used some of the stealth techniques for the new yeah. versions of plugging so that people in the audience said, that person's amazing. What is that exactly. book? I'm writing that down. Or exactly. I'm going to go to Amazon and just order it right now. Or if you sound um, really confident yeah. about the topic, it makes people want to read it anyway because they're like, wow, this guy's a really premier expert. See, this is what happens. A lot of times, right, you'll sell the person to be on television. The amount of time that an anchor has had to even read, they're not, they haven't read your book. They don't have any time for it. However, right. pose you coming on, right, an anchor, because of the fact that you sounded so confident, they'll go about reading your book. And at that, if the publicist is smart, they've sent the book to the booking producer. So then I have a copy of your book sitting right here. And so for future yeah. reference, I could spread it around. And then because I have a copy, another booking producer sees that, hey, yeah, I really like your guest. They come and they, you give them a copy. 
and then Anderson Cooper has a copy, and everybody has, you know what I mean? But that's how it kind of yeah. goes viral throughout the network. But the major thing is not to be so much worried about selling whatever it is, but, but selling yourself and your expertise. And because you sound so confident, everybody wants to buy into what you have to say in general. So they'll start going to your social media and your website, and they'll start looking at you like, oh, we need to talk to this guy more often. And then they want to sound smart and say, yeah, you know I read their book. You know what I mean? Because right. you sounded so, but that's how you, in, in the CNN world, that's how you would work that. Yeah. It's worth a few extra dollars to send three, four copies or yes, three copies is. at least. It sounds right. 100%. And then yeah. that person's going to pass around. You want it in more hands. You want Correct. the, you want Anderson Cooper sitting in his office alone, mm-hmm. staring at the bookcase on the wall and saying, yeah. oh yeah, what about that woman we had on uh, three months ago? We should have her back. Exactly. A hundred percent. That's exactly what you want to do. Fantastic. Last few questions here as we kind of round some of this out. Some last thoughts on pitching through social media. Okay. Just whatever comes to your head, kind of a speed round. Oh, goodness. Pitching through social media, use the messaging function as much as possible. Like I mentioned, Twitter now has open messaging. I would open up my messages if I were on Twitter or I have as a publicist, and I suggest you do the same so that people can easily reach you without having to worry about having to find your phone number or your email. And I would look for all those booking producers who have open messaging functions and chat with them and see it as casual and as a way to intro yourself and not as a way to do a hard sell, but just to say, hi, this is me, this is who I am, and this is what I got. Do you want to talk? Right. And then from there, right. set up a further time in the future to talk somewhere else. Great. So just go in, see where that person is. I mean, people can go on, on LinkedIn and figure out who some of the producers are. That's a great right. place right. To, to start finding them. But exactly. see where they're spending some time. Maybe they're a little more active on Twitter. Maybe Correct. they're a little more active on LinkedIn. Facebook, what is your take on Facebook? Facebook, I never really, the thing about Facebook is that it's really difficult to get to people that you don't know, right? Uh, Platforms like Twitter and LinkedIn are just really easier to message through because they have open functions. Facebook has one, but they shift it off to a different message that nobody might, they might not even read, right? So it it can waste your time. Uh, The two most effective platforms have been for me, LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, Instagram is for the kids. So, however, if Instagram. you are, <laughs> but if you're selling yeah. like a celebrity of some sort, Instagram is great, right? Like if that's who you have, somebody who has like a little, the people, you know, DM each other on that platform all the time. But from uh, a very kind of uh, expert standpoint, I always use LinkedIn and Twitter personally. Right. It makes sense that LinkedIn is the business platform. Yeah. Twitter is a secondary business platform. People it are firing up more businessy type messages. And then right. I guess as producers get younger and younger, yeah. I, I feel like Instagram is, is something to pay a little bit more attention to. I agree with you. And who knows if people are listening to this a couple of years after we yeah. uh, recorded this, that yeah. we make sure that they're paying attention to that as well. And I think it depends on what you're selling. Yeah. Like, uh, honestly, if lifestyle brand stuff, I would say for sure Instagram, right? Because that's where that lives. I'm really talking in right. terms of a hard it. news. Yeah, and that actually gives you a really great place to sell, and it's a great place to collect elements for segments on. So honestly, thinking in that way, you know, 
think in terms of the possible journalists who might be looking at an Instagram for your client and certain elements that they might be able to use, because that's a huge thing. I would always have to ask, can we use any of these elements? And you want that answer to be yes, so that people could just kind of draw from it, right? That's what that platform could be for. And if you have somebody right. who deals in a lifestyle brand, like I said, that is a good platform to sell to producers. So go about following as many of those people as you can and getting them to buy into you. And they will message you via that platform. But I would say it's very specific to certain types of guests. In my world, I was always dealing with hard news, so I always stayed on the LinkedIn. But I can see how Instagram right. would be good. Anybody who's trying to get somebody on a morning show of any sort that's doing a lifestyle segment, I could see how that would really work. Got it. So earlier I promised that I'd come back and talk about this, which is when somebody emails, or, or I should say pitches, however they pitch, they pitch either the host of the show or anchor, oh, yeah. or they pitch the president of the network. Oh. And I'm curious, I know what my experience was, but I'm curious what, what your thoughts on that are as far as it being effective or sometimes yeah. effective. You tell me. Okay, so my anchor, she did not read those emails. That's all I can say. Okay. So just don't do it. I would say that eh, it's just not the most effective. If you want to get to an anchor directly or even maybe the president, that's a network kind of thing, networking, right? You meet those people out when they are at an event and you possibly were able to run into them, right, and have a chat with them in that kind of capacity. I have one client who I work with now who I didn't work with at the time who I was just looking as a guest but who's currently a client. He got to meet Shmurkonish off chance at an event. And because he met Shmurkonish, Shmurkonish put him on his show just because they met each other at an event. And I was like, oh, that was really smart of you to, in that instance, meet him. However, had he had went about emailing Shmurkonish, Shmurkonish never would have known who this guy was and he wouldn't have listened to him. Right, because that right. Is, they just don't have the bandwidth. You know, that you if I'm getting hundreds of emails, you can only imagine the level of email that they're getting. And right. so they're just not, no. That's a, so, it's a much more direct connection that works for them. And no, they're not going to pay attention to you. <laughs> right. And so my take is I would never advise someone to do that, but I'm going to yeah. tell you how I've seen it work. I okay. mean, it's to me, first of all, when I was a producer or a booking producer, it, sometimes it might annoy me if somebody went slightly over my head. But I, if I had my executive producer say, oh, you know what, somebody pitched me this story yeah. about how you can use household items to, uh, you know, to, as face cream. Correct. And they print it out and they go, here, why don't you book, go book this guy? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I might think, well, now I have to book that person, even though I'm right. not that into it. You know, and they're talking about it. But here's, here's where I saw it work also. There are some people who sent something to the president of the network, okay, which yeah. seems ridiculous to me. Yeah. But yeah. occasionally the president of the network, it would grab their eye sure. and they would print it out because they have to print everything out. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know why they print everything <laughs> out. They print it out. <laughs> And they scribble on a post-it, yeah. uh, maybe you want this for the morning show. That's what they yeah. would write. True. And then yeah. they would hand it off to an assistant who would hand it to someone else, who would hand it to our executive producer, yeah. who would hand it to me, and guess the way that post-it was read. It wasn't read, maybe this yeah. is something you <laughs> want to do. It was read. <laughs> yeah, it was read as, maybe this is something you want to do. 
<laughs> and we would say, but, um, and you, you brought up the point of the booking producer being the person they trust as this gatekeeper, but there was this other feeling sometimes of yeah, it came true. from the top level. Exactly. Just oh, book we're booking it. that person. <laughs> exactly. And I say, true. yes, but I saw their video. They're horrible. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we'll put them on for one minute during the weather. Yeah, it's true. Really? Yeah. <laughs> right. You say, really? Are you sure? Are you sure they didn't say, I don't know, maybe this is something you want. Um, so anyway, so my point for just bringing that up here to, you know, towards the end is, You'd be surprised, and I actually used True. that technique when I set the Guinness record. I'm going to reveal it right now, oh, wow. <laughs> which is to get the record for most interviews. I still hold it for the last decade, oh, wow. uh, which is most interviews in 24 hours, and it was uh, 112 on radio. I had to do it on radio to get the, the uh, record. What I did was I sent it to the bosses of the radio shows, which were the program directors. I mean, yeah. I also sent it to other people, too. And the yeah. program director would say, oh, that's, that's interesting. And they would pass along and say, they would forward it and say, hey, maybe this is something you want to do. And that's yeah. how it would be read. Yeah, no. and, and I knew that that was the case because they would, the, the, the host would say, yeah, my uh, program director said I had to, <clears throat> I mean, that, uh, <laughs> that I should call you. That this and would of be course, great. I'd reassure them. <laughs> right. That's so anyway, funny. so that's a side door and another side door. Yeah. So last thought, this is a big problem for everybody, which is ghosting, which is you don't even know if you're pitching the media, you don't know, did they hit delete? Did they, you know, you follow up nine times or one time or zero times since people never follow up. How should people, before I get you to answer, because I want you to have the last word here, uh, last thoughts, I'm just going to say for people listening in, you need to track even your one-to-one email. And the way to do that in the 2000s is you need a tool like yeah. Yesware, Y-E-S-W-A-R-E, mm-hmm. which, is, which will let you know if somebody opened the email and they're clicking around and that person won't know. Yeah. Or Mixmax, M-I-X-M-A-X, that's if you use the paid version of Gmail. And there are other ones out there. So back to you, which is Sarah. What do you think? What's your thoughts on ghosting? Where people that means that they just they become a ghost, and you're <laughs> reaching out and saying, "Do you want this? What's going on?" Yeah. Well, I would say sometimes it's time. A lot of times it's timing. I can say that for the emails that I actually read, I touched just about every one of them. Sometimes I would be really interested. It's just I didn't have a place for it, and that would lead me to, well, I don't know what to say back to you. I didn't want to give anybody false hope, and so I just would opt not to say anything. And that wouldn't mean to say that I didn't want it. It just would mean to say that this isn't going to work for me right now. Sometimes I would even shuffle it up to my executive producers, and they would say, oh, yeah, this is actually really cool, but, you know, keep that person in mind, which meant that I would keep them in mind, but that doesn't mean to say that I would call you. (laughs) It would just mean that and I would file it like, okay, I'll get back to it. You know, right. so I, I would say for PR people, and I'm one of them now, just sure. understand that it takes time and you have to kind of be into it. You have to think in terms of dealing with any show or any producer as a relationship that you're building. Right. And so that means to say that your goal is to just build up a rapport with them so that you could start getting more information from them about what their show needs are. So you can really start tailoring right stuff and just deal with the person who's speaking to you then. 
So once you've gotten an in with somebody, your goal is to get an in. I would start with the booking producers because that's just the smartest way to go first. You can start with, you know, the higher up that that's a good end for you but for the most part start with the booking producers if you feel like you're getting ghosted i i i think somebody will eventually talk to you if you're persistent enough in the right way because you're giving right. them uh, you know the correct email formats and you're sending them pitches so pitch consistently don't worry so much about ghosting understand that it's a matter of timing and once the right time and the gods all align you'll feel like a deluge of people. <laughs> then you'll be like, oh, God, my phone won't stop ringing, Lord. But it's going right. to take a lot of consistency sometimes before you get there. So don't worry about it. It's not personal. It, it has to do with time. <laughs> That's all it is. And I used to Love tell that. guests that. I was like, you know, truthfully, I will call you probably a year from now. <laughs> so, But hang in there <laughs> because you're going to get on television one day. It's just time. Right. That's all. Fantastic. Some of the biggest takeaways I just want to run through is using social media for pitching and how to use social media for pitching. Also, going on the weekend program first or going on a show that's not as big on a network so that other people on those other shows can see you. That the idea the of Skype. What's that? That reduces the amount of ghosting you'll get if you're smart about where you enter. Ooh, be smart about where you enter. So good. The idea of setting up your own Skype studio, which is, you know, just buying a couple pieces of equipment and making sure you're ready to go on the on the Skype or, you know, video conferencing side or whatever we want to call that. The idea of tweaking your template, the template I always talk about for pitching the media, that it's not just a copy and paste, and we didn't go as deep into it this time, but a copy and paste of a press release. And hi, editors. I used to get yeah. that one. <laughs> hi, editors. I was like, I'm not an editor. Why are you calling me that? <laughs> Obviously, they just sent the same email to everybody, and then they exactly. just copied and pasted paste the press release. New restaurant in Albuquerque. Huh? Exactly. We talked about some of the techniques of for media training, how to act as a guest. Obviously, that's uh, my wheelhouse stuff I talk about all the time. Be a resource. Be ready. Yes. Reach out at at the right time. Certainly Correct. be paying attention to the news, whatever it is. And then you ended up in be persistent. Yes. Don't worry. It mm -hmm. takes time. Yes. hundred percent. Beautiful. Right. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing all oh, yeah. these amazing insights. You are a wealth of knowledge. And I know you must be amazing to your clients. And your business is called Sarah Edwards PR, by the way. Am I yes, right? Yes, it is. Yes, my plug. Yes, Sarah Edwards PR. That is <laughs> because she is so sweet. She's in in total giving mode, and I'm uh, sure this will sit on a web page somewhere next to your credentials, regardless. For those yes, folks <laughs> who decide that they want to work with you, and Sarah, I appreciate you sharing so much with the various types of people who will be tuning in and checking out this information. And they just want to get some attention so they can grow their business, be more visible, and create more of something in their life. That's perfect. Thank you, Jess, for having me. This has been a really great experience. And I definitely want to be a wealth of knowledge for people. I, I, I love to see people get on television. I really sincerely do. So call me if you need to be on TV. I can get you there. Fantastic. All right. Thanks again.